yeah, we need to ask ourselves, who is this Jesus that we've been talking about? We've been going through a series on the Sermon on the Mount. As most of you know, we're about three quarters of the way through it in the moment. We were talking just this, just this week, we had an elders meeting with our elders team. And the words of Jesus are so important. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have been, have heard dozens of messages before in your life? How many of you have heard dozens of messages? How many of you have heard hundreds, maybe thousands of messages? Ian's nodding at the back. Ian and I were both born in church. Oh, not literally, but probably if, if we were born on a Saturday, we were probably there on the Sunday uh, and most of our life since. Uh, how, here's another thing, I've, question I've got for you. How many of those messages do you actually remember? I'm not offended by whatever your answer is. If it's five, you're probably doing well. If you remember five, not just the passage of scripture, but five messages, you're probably doing well. We're great at this, aren't we? We come, we open God's word together, the Holy Spirit speaks, and we go home and have our Sunday dinner. And we forget it. And then maybe when the preacher gets up next Sunday, does a brief overview, like, oh yeah, I remember now. And then the following week, you've forgotten that one. That's reality of life, isn't it? I, I've, you know, I've sit, sat in church most of my life. I know, what that, I know how that goes. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not bothered. Uh, but actually, uh, we need to get past the, oh, let's just put it up on a shelf. Let it go dusty. One thing God spoke to us about at the start of the year was getting back to the words and ways of Jesus. Quite clearly, over Christmas, this is one thing he had said he had for us this year, getting back to the words and the ways of Jesus. This is too important to put to one side. This is too important to forget. Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount are too important for us to be like, oh yeah, well it's fine, it's okay. Yeah, that was a nice message, wasn't it? That's the worst thing. If you say, please don't say that to me. Because if, if you say that to me now, my response now is, so what are you going to do about what the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you about then? So don't, don't come and say that to me anymore. Because I'm always like a bit awkward anyway, because I'm like, oh, it's not really me, this is God's word. But, but what are we going to do about it? And I really felt today the Spirit saying, we need to stop. We need to reset. We need to pause. What, what, where have we got to? What has Jesus been saying? And, and, and what are we going to do about it? Not in a judgmental way, like, well, what are you going to do about it when Jesus says that, that, just do, that money shouldn't be a problem for you? What are you going to do about it when Jesus says, actually, those thoughts that you're thinking are, aren't, aren't honoring him and you need to go sort them out? I, I'm not in a judgmental way, but we need to pause sometimes. We need to pause because sometimes I think we've already written ourselves off. Sometimes we come to passages like the Sermon on the Mount and we're like, oh, well, that was okay because that was Jesus and he was kind of perfect and that's okay. So I want to pause. We're going to jump out of the book of Matthew just for this week. We're going to look at some, a passage of scripture in the book of John. And we're going to spend some time reflecting on what is this all about? What is this all about? Just to refocus our our hearts and our minds. And we've been saying as we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, we've been saying that he calls us into his upside-down kingdom of inside-out righteousness. 
And we, we spoke, said last time that Jesus says his yoke is easy and his burden is light, but he also says it'll cost you everything you have. And this is the logic that we don't understand. We like the easy and light bit because that's low cost, high reward for me. But yet Jesus says, whoever follows me must deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. These are difficult words. We said a couple of weeks ago, did Jesus' words offend you? And some of you were like, no, no, they don't. Well, they should. Because they cut deep to the very depths of who we are as a human being. But Jesus does this out of love, doesn't he? These are, this isn't Ten Commandments 2.0. This isn't the law 2.0. Jesus comes at it and says, this is how I expect you to live because I love you. Because I have, my heart is what's best for you. And when we live this way, human beings in his community together, that's where we see God's kingdom break forth. Thank you, worship team, for, for leading us into God's heart. And I, I listen to a lot of worship music. My Spotify playlist is boringly 90% Christian music. I, I, I do have other as well. I have some throwback 80s stuff, which I bore my kids with occasionally. Those of you who were into madness and things, I could break out in song, but I won't. But, but I listen to a lot of Christian music. And God's challenged me personally, and this is... Obviously, it was a thing for me because the, the words that I'm listening to become a part of who I am. When I wake up in the morning, the song that's on my heart often is some, some, a song, the worship song that God's speaking to me about something in my day. It just, just is. This is that's me, for me. I'm not saying you, you can listen to whatever you want to. That's up to you between you and God. But actually, I've noticed a lot of Christian music at the moment bless you guys, not what we've been singing here recently, and I love that, but actually a lot of Christian music recently is, your life is rubbish, the world is awful, but you know what? You can, you've still got Jesus. It's almost lowest common denominator stuff that is, oh, life is really hard, like, oh yes, and we're so sad, and the world is so terrible, but, you, but don't forget, you can call on Jesus when you need him. What a load of rubbish. Yes, when life is difficult, of course we can call on Jesus. But actually, he didn't die for us just so he could be our get-out-of-jail-free card when life's a bit terrible and life's a bit awful. We can smile. He died that we would have joy, that we would have peace, that the love that's been poured out into our, by his spirit into our hearts would just be overflow from us. This breathtaking, incredible Jesus that Frank was talking about. It gotta, it's got to stop us in the tracks. We're like, wow, I want more of that every single day. Not just I'm going to trudge through life and it's really hard. And, but one day I might be going to heaven. Matthew 4, 17, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is near. He wasn't saying it's locally near, it's around the corner. He wasn't saying it's two or 3,000 years away. He was saying it's here. Now the kingdom of heaven is here. It's with you, he said, right now. And we're going to explore some of that, some of that as, we, as we go through today. Life with Jesus is meant to be an adventure. Did you know that? Your Christian life is boring 
Something's out of whack. Something in your life, your spiritual life, is off balance. Think Bear Grylls adventure. Think seat of your pants. Have you ever watched those shows where he, he, he gets a celebrity out into the wilderness? Bear Grylls. He did it with Barack Obama once. I saw that. And it was, I think, just after he'd been president. And he gets the, and they're, they're like clinging onto the side of these rocks sort of thing. And you know, there's a, probably someone with a big trampoline at the bottom because this person's net worth is mo- bigger than most small countries. You know, but they do it, doesn't it? And you think, wow, I want to I, I I kind of shimmy across that rope, across that crevasse with him. This is what life with Jesus is supposed to be like. It should be an adventure every single day we wake up. I'm going to say life is hard sometimes. We live in a fallen, broken world. Well, we have sickness, we have pain, we have death, we have difficulty. That's part of being in a fallen, broken world that isn't as God intended it to be. But actually, this should transform our perspective. Perspective is my favorite word at the moment. One that God keeps giving me time and time and time again. So I want to, if you've got your Bibles, it's on the screen as well. If you'd read with me the book of John. Chapter 14, and Giles reminded me that clock over there is 10 minutes fast earlier. So we're okay, aren't we? Yeah? It's fast. You said it was 10 minutes fast. We're doing good for time. Um, John 14, uh, and I want to read from verse 12 to verse 27. And if you've got uh, a Bible where you've got words in red, most of these words are in red. They're the words of Jesus. And it says, very truly I tell you, Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, And I too would love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make a home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Let's pray before we unpack what God's got for us in his word today. Father, we want to thank you and praise you 
for your goodness and your love towards us. We want to thank you, thank you for your mercies, which is your word tells us anew every morning. King Jesus, we just want to, we want to honor you through the, all that we say and all that we do today. With our lips, with our actions, with our thoughts, with our lives, with everything that we have. And as we consider your words today, would you open our hearts by your spirit? Would you give us ears to listen? In hearts that are soft and willing to obey, I pray. Lord, we know that you're here with us. Where two or three are gathered in your name, you are in the midst, you promised that. Open our eyes, I pray. Open our eyes to see you more clearly right now. King Jesus, we want to honour you with all that we are today. In your name we ask all these things. So we've said over the last few weeks, we've been engaging with Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount. And if we're not careful, when we come to the, to, to words, the words of Jesus, where they challenge us, where they cut deep, we, sometimes we've already convinced ourselves that we can't do what he's asking us to do. Sometimes we've already convinced ourselves that we can't live as he's asking us to do. When I was in school, probably about 12, I think, we had one of these, one of these um, activity weeks away. I don't know if any of you ever did those. I think Coventry, lots of kids went to Dolly Mock. We went to Shell Island, camping on Shell Island. Um, if you know, North Wales coast, just outside of Barmouth, is this island that's connected with the causeway, and we went camping on there. Huge dunes and that sort of thing. And we did... Uh, we did surf skiing, we did lots of different things. And there was one bit where we went, there's some, what do you even call it? Cliff, small cliff things uh, at just outside of Barmouth. Some of you might know them, you might have. And what we had to do, uh, we had to climb up them and abseil down. Now, when I was 12, I was petrified of heights. Going up was fine, absolutely fine scaling it. And then came for the time to abseil down. Well, the only thing that's separating me from certain death is this piece of rope or at least in my head. So all of my mates were there whizzing down, going back up, whizzing down, and I was there at the top, like this, petrified from my life. And I was thinking, sweating, and the instructor was there, he's like, you'll be fine, just lean back, and I'm leaning back, I'm like, no, no, I'm not doing that. Because it just, the first time you do it, it just seems so counterintuitive, I'm gonna just lean back and let this, this rope take me, and surely gravity's not gonna do its thing. Are you sure? So I, I, I was there, kind of, and eventually, I went down, I thought, oh, and you know, they teach you to kind of bounce off. Um, I, I got to the bottom, I thought, oh, I want to do that again. But then we'd run out of time because I'd been feeling about at the top for so long. But I, I was so scared of heights. We, sometimes in, 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 in the gym, we'd have like team games. And if you weren't, on, you weren't the team that was, uh, that was playing at that time, you had to go on top of the wall bars. And I'd be quaking on top of the wall bars. This is how scared of heights I was. I was petrified of heights. Um, luckily, I've got two older brothers who thought they would cure this for me. And they did. 
One time, uh, if you've ever been to this Whispering Gallery at St. Paul's, I don't know if any of you have ever done that. Going up the steps, fine, it's enclosed. Get to the top, I'm kind of, kind of hugging the wall. Both of them pick me up and it held me over the and, and that, that, that cured my, I'm no longer scared of heights because of that. So as evil and wicked as brothers can be, I thank them for that. Um, so, but, but anyway, that was, that was, that was the thing. I was, uh, I, I was at the top of this hill come cliff in Barmer saying, no, I can't. For ages I was saying, no, I can't. This is our problem. Often we look at the life of Jesus. We read Harry's corners to be a different people, and we've already decided, no, I can't. We've already made up our minds that we can't do that. And even sometimes we'll say, well, it was okay for him because he was God. I get out, a Christian get out of jail free card. But actually, that's not what scripture teaches. Scripture teaches us in Hebrews chapter 2, I'm not going to go into it now, you can go away and study it, that actually Jesus was fully human, left his deity in heaven, 100% human walking on this earth, otherwise his sacrifice was meaningless. This is what Hebrews tells us. So we can't use a get out of jail free card, well he, it was okay, he was God. So Jesus is showing us a life that is possible. And when we start to think about that, it changes our whole perspective. When we, when we realize that Jesus was living on this earth as man, as God intended man to be, full of the Holy Spirit, and it was through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit in his life that he was able to live as he did, that he was able to do what he did, it changes our perspective. It changes our perspective so much. So when we've already convinced ourselves that we can't, we need to remember. We said a few weeks ago that we are in a spiritual battle against the father of lies, whose primary weapon is to subtly change the truth into a lie. We, we, we looked a few weeks ago at, at Jesus' temptation and a lot of what Satan said to him was true. It was truth. But sometimes it was upside down. It was the odd word, the odd phrase that changed the meaning of it. And that was the same back in the garden in Genesis. A lot of what Satan said to Eve, there was a lot of truth in what he said, but he subtly changed it. And if Satan can disable you with fear and doubt, then he's already winning. Look at verse 12 of John chapter 14 that we read. Jesus says to his disciples, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. If Jesus was God, how could he say this? If Jesus here on earth was still fully, uh, uh, with all of his deity, he was God, obviously, sorry. With fully all of his deity here on earth, how could he say this? Because that would be unachievable, wouldn't it? Because he was working through his power that he had as being God.
in the Sermon on the Mount that we've been going through, Jesus hasn't just been telling us that this is what you must do, this, isn't, this is what you mustn't do. He's laying out a way of peace, of joy, of hope, of adventure. If we commit to strive to live this way, that he's calling us to live. And he says, not only is, is this kind of, kind of achievable off in the distance, he says, very truly, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and even greater the ones in these. Jesus even said in John 16, 7, just a few pages over, he said to his disciples as he continues this discourse, he said, very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus here is saying, actually, you're, you're better off with the Holy Spirit, fully God, fully working in the power of God with you than you are with me. I'm sure they didn't think that way at the time. They were thinking, but, but if you go, aren't we going to be left alone? But he says, No. I'm going to leave you with my spirit. I'm going to leave you not with some remote, distant, angry, petulant God, but with my living spirit within you. Go back to John 14, verses 16 and 17. Jesus said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Every time I consider this, it blows my mind. Stop and think about this for a minute. If you would class yourself as a Christian, a follower of Jesus, whatever language around that you want to use, Scripture tells us that you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. We could, all, we could all agree on that. Think about the gravity of that statement for a moment. Very God living within you. Just think about it. I, I struggle to get my head around it because I live in a 3D world that I, 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 I like to know what I can touch, what I can see, what I can understand. But just think about that fact for a moment. As a follower of Jesus, you have the Spirit of God dwelling within you. That blows my mind every time. And this is what we've been talking about. It's stuff we know or we've heard about that we can retell. It's stuff maybe we can even point to someone in Scripture. But actually it's a different thing when, we, when it becomes part of who we are when it becomes part of who we are. And that very fact, Jesus said to his followers, don't worry about the fact that I'm not going to be here because I'm going to leave you my spirit who's going to dwell within you all the time, 24-7. He will be there with you, speaking to you, guiding you, empowering you, encouraging you, comforting you, wanting to work through, through you in ways you can't explain and won't, probably will never understand. He said, it's good that I'm going, because I'm going to, this is what I'm going to leave you. What does it take? What will it take for us to step into that reality? Because when we understand that reality, it changes everything. 
It changes everything. It changes my perspective on life. It changes my perspective on, on God. It changes my, my perspective on the words of Jesus. Because now, when I, when I live in that reality, I can, I can read the words and read in my scripture, which kick me in the guts every single week. But I know with the power of the Spirit dwelling within me, that that, that somewhere it can be, is achievable. The fruits of the Spirit that explains in Galatians, I think, actually... Uh, I'm not naturally that way. I'm not naturally loving and peaceful and full of joy, but actually with the power of the Spirit dwelling within me, I, 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 can, I, can, see that, I can see that he can do this change in me. Because if we don't realize that fact, we're just striving on our own. If we don't realize that very fact, we're just trying hard to be nice people. And that never works. Because first of all, we can only put up the, the front of being nice for so long because we fall out with ourselves and everyone else. But actually, there's, there's no trans... Jesus didn't die so we could try and be nice. Jesus didn't leave us his spirit so we can just try and smile and assemble everyone, even though we're, we're thinking about them and criticising them in the back of our head at the same time while we're shaking their hand. How are you? Nice cup of coffee. Thank you. That life following Jesus should be so much more than that. But we know this, but we're still at the top of the hill convincing ourselves it's too scary, it's not safe, and I can't. Do you see how ridiculous that idea is now? We were going through uh, Matthew chapter 6 and the part where Jesus says, don't worry, look at the birds, of, the birds of the field and the foxes have places to go in. Don't worry that you haven't got a coat for winter, etc., etc." And we said, we're worried because we're afraid of losing something we value more. And this is the, this, the crux of it. We worry, we're afraid because we value stuff Maybe it's our own control, maybe it's our family, maybe it's life, maybe it's money, maybe it's, maybe it's self-esteem, maybe it's standing in your community or in your workplace. We love that more than we love Jesus. This is the heart of our problem. This is the heart of my problem. Because this is where I naturally want to slip into. Because it's a 3D world that I understand and I can control. Jesus says here in these words, his words in John chapter 15, chapter 14, sorry. He's told us already that shot holes in the idea that we can't. So if we're starting to understand that we can through the Holy Spirit, where do we start? If we're starting to understand through the power of the Spirit that Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount are possible. We can live a different life. We can be different people together. Where does it start? Let me read a few, few verses to you that we read earlier in John 14. Verse 15, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. Verse 21, he says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. 
Look at verse 23. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make a home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So Jesus makes a bit of an effort here to make this really clear. And I'm going to paraphrase it for us. Those who love him obey, and those who don't, don't. That's what Jesus says. Those who love him obey him, and those who don't love him don't obey him. Pretty straightforward, pretty simple. We have, I have two problems here with myself. First of all, often I think I know best. So I act out of my own understanding because I think I know best. And I think secondly, we have completely the wrong idea of, of the word obedience. What's the first thing that comes into your mind if, when you think about obedience? Normally rules, maybe school, maybe parents telling you what to do. Someone else telling you what to do. And let's face it, none of us like being told what to do, do we? We just don't. We just don't. We hate it if someone comes to us and says, you've got to do this or you must do this. And when you're in school and education, you kind of put up with it. But when you're an adult, it's, you hate it when someone comes and tells you what to do. Because normally if they tell you what to do, they're also telling you where you went wrong. And none of us like being told that we're wrong. We just don't, do we? Often, we react and in, 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 in then shout at people, oh, even if we know they're right. Our, our, our first defense is, is self-defense, isn't it? We hate being told that we're wrong. So when we, when we come to the Bible and, we, and Jesus obey, I think we have that mindset in our hearts. We're still thinking this way. Obedience sounds like drudgery, difficult, fun-sucking, and boring. It does, doesn't it? If I obey, it means I can't do what I want. I can't, I can't have this fun. I can't, I can't do X, Y, Z. I, I can't, what about me? What about me? Ob obedience doesn't take, take me into account, does it, surely? And we have this wrong idea of obedience. I'm going to read a quote to you. And um, if you want to know who wrote it, I could tell you later. I have this habit, I'll read things. I'll make notes of bits of it on my phone. But I'll always say who it's from. I can find it for you if you want it. But this is, this is probably the best description that I've ever heard of obedience. It says, obedience, this is obedience to Jesus this person's talking about, is a life-giving liberation of true, to true freedom, not negative or restrictive, but deeply liberating and renewing. Obedience is the discovery of joy in the adventure, and in learning obedience, we tap into a transforming power, a living surrender. I read that and I thought, I want some of that. Because when Jesus calls us to obey, it's not like your parent shouting at you for taking a second biscuit. It's not like your teacher shouting at you because you haven't done your homework. Because life of obedience to Jesus is about liberation. It's about freedom. Jesus says, I've come to give you life and have it to, to the full. Or, or if you go back to the oldie worldie version I was growing up with, to have it abundantly. I've come to give you the abundant life, not the boring, fun-sucking life of rules and regulations. 
And we, that through it, we tap into a transforming power, a living surrender. So, so, so we get this whole idea here that, that actually anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. So if we love him, we understand where he's coming from here. And we're like, wow, there's life in your words. There's life-giving power in your words. There's life in following you as you've called me to. It's a completely different mindset, a completely different perspective. And, then, and finally, we need to understand that he is for you, not against you. He's for you, not against you. Often we still have this wrong idea of God, and it's to do with some of our upbringing. We were talking about this on Wednesday. A few of us have, have experienced this in life, where we've got this idea, I haven't got one here, that God is this angry, distant deity looking down with a baseball bat behind his back, waiting for you to trip up. And when you do, he wants to clock you around the head and put you straight. A lot of us have grown up with a difficult view of God that's a bit like that. Where God is this angry God who's, who's, who's going to breathe down fire and brimstone on you if you don't get it right. And that might have been our perception growing up, or that might have been what we were told. I'm not quite sure. But it couldn't be further from the truth. He is so for you so for you that you just can't even begin to imagine we went back we 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 went back to jesus on the cross a few weeks ago and what did he say he's there on the cross and he says forgive them father for they know not what they do and he wasn't talking just about people two thousand years later he was talking about the people who just nailed him there that's how much he's for you that's how much he adores you. That's how much he loves you. Nothing you do can ever change that fact. Nothing you do will ever get him to love you less. Nothing you can do will ever get him to view you differently. And occasionally in my own life, God does stick his foot out and trip me up when I'm not listening. Because he wants to get my attention. But it's because he loves me, because he adores me. So when we're thinking about that life-affirming life of obedience, as we come to a close, let's read John 14, verse 13 to 14. Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, so that the, sorry, I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. These aren't my words, these are the words of Jesus. I think even we come to passages like this, and he repeats this four or five times over the next couple of chapters. The same thing again and again and again and again. But even this, we, we talk ourselves out of it, don't we? Well, Jesus didn't really mean that because X, Y, Z, LMNOP, whatever. But actually, what happened to taking Jesus literally what he actually said? I think Jesus meant everything he said. I don't think he really spoke in riddles. Think about those verses. Think about those verses we've just read. Whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son, you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. This isn't a message for prosperity gospel, by the way. This isn't a message that God just wants to give you stuff because I like shiny stuff and it makes me happy that's not what this is about. 
But actually, this is Jesus saying, when you come to me and you ask me, uh, my heart is for you. My heart, my desire to bless you. Do you know what? Even if you got yourself in a hole that's completely your fault, God still wants to bless you and make a way out of it. Did you know that? Sometimes in our own heads, we need to get out of our own heads and get back to the words of Jesus. How would your life be different if you lived according to Jesus' words here in John 14? If we actually trusted him that when I come to him and ask in his name that he desires to do it. Does that mean everything I ask of him that I want, I'm going to get? No, it doesn't. But actually, he desires to give good gifts to his children. He desires to bless us. And we talk ourselves out of it. James says you don't have because you don't ask. Jesus says, we're going to explore it in the next few weeks. How many of you, when, you, when your son asks you for a fish or asks for a bread, you give him a stone? Of course you don't. You want, to, you want to bless him. Your father's heart towards your children. This is how I am towards you. So when we're thinking about that obedience, that, that discovery of joy in the adventure, we need to understand that he's for us. Often we've already convinced ourselves that God won't, or worse still can't, or actually he doesn't do that anymore, surely. If you need strength to obey, as Jesus is saying here, just ask him. If you want to rediscover the wonder and awe of Jesus, ask him. If you're burdened and heavy, just bring it to him and ask him. If there's a need in your life, physical, financial, whatever, bring it to him. But we don't. Because we like to be in control. And we're like, oh, I can figure this out. I'll just, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll muddle my way through. It's life, isn't it? That's the way it is. Jesus says, no. The life I have promised for you is so much deeper, so much richer than you could ever possibly imagine. And all I expect you is come before me and let it go. And yeah, there's, there's tension in that as well because sometimes God's doing bigger stuff than we could ever possibly imagine that we just don't see. But he's saying, just trust me. Trust me because I'm at work. Like that song we were singing before the message, trust me. Even when I can't, you can't see it. I'm at work. Even when you don't feel it, I'm at work. Even when you're trying to forget or ignore that God even exists, he's still at work. So today, I want us to pause just for a minute as we, just as we bring this to a close and we pray. I want us to pause. I want us to ask ourselves a couple of questions. Why am I afraid? Like me at the top of that hill in Barmouth. People would go zipping past me. I had nothing to... Realistically, there was no logical reason why I was afraid of this rope that was going to break. And then I want us to come before Jesus in faith. Laying it all out before him. 
And just let the life-giving, breathtaking love of God wash over us this morning. Why don't we pray? Father, as we come before you, humbly today, we just stand in awe of you. We stand in awe of who you are. We look out of our windows, we, we go for a walk in the countryside and we're just blown away. But creator God, we, we, we stand in awe of your creation, but also in awe of the depths of your love for us. Love that, if we're honest, we, we, st- we really don't and still don't understand because the love that we have for one another doesn't even come close to the love you have for us. Open our hearts, I pray today, to the depth of your love that you have for us. Open our hearts to the fact that you are for us. Your desire, your longing is for us be in a relationship with your son. Father, forgive us for the times when we've told you no, when we've told you that you can't or you don't or you won't. I pray, Lord, we will just lay everything at your feet this morning. In complete surrender to you, Jesus. And as we lay it, lay it down, I pray by your spirit that you would just breathe life again into these dry and weary bones that we might have. Father, would you give us your perspective today? I pray. Would you open our eyes to things we can't see? Might we be like Gehazi? Lord, he opened his eyes to see the heavenly hosts around him, Lord. Lord, as we continue, Jesus, to journey together, to understand more of, of who you are and what you have for us now, Lord, I pray, I pray you would strengthen us together in community that you've called us to. Lord, I pray that, that we would be able to step wholeheartedly together into the, the abundant life, the life of freedom that you've promised us. King Jesus, we lift your name high this morning. As we worship you, might we just continue, Lord, our praise just of who you are this afternoon, Lord. We thank you. We honour you, Jesus, in your name.